welcome to FCR Podcast. Well, formally FCR Podcast. We are actually in the process of rebranding. We will now be called The Butcher Block with Mark and Catherine. Um, this week's episode will possibly turn into a longer series, um, perhaps um, on another podcast. We're still talking about what to do, but this is a big deal today. I love and, that. And, yeah. and uh, this episode... I, I could have jumped in and helped you more, but I was just having fun listening. <laughs> yeah, help me. I need all the help I can get. But on another note, hey, Mark, why have we been gone so long? Mark, why have we been gone so long? Oh, Wonderful that you would ask, Catherine. It's because uh, Mark had sinus surgery and a tonsillectomy, so he had his tonsils removed as well, and it's been taking a long time to recover, and FYI, never have that surgery if you can avoid it because it is super duper painful. So if my voice sounds raspy or very manly and sexual. beautiful. Yes, thank you. There we go. So that's why, and then we've been working on rebranding and, you know, we're just really popular and very busy people with this podcast. We're so famous that we don't have, you know, time to talk to everybody about it. <laughs> I wish that were true. <laughs> yeah, from from your lips to God's ears. Yeah, right? <clears throat> and we're making so much money. Um, but uh, why don't we start? This has been a... Um, case that we have been talking about for a long time. So I am the moderator. 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 How it's going to go is I will do an overview. We will talk about the theories, and then third, we will talk about what we think um, is the probable outcome of things, and then we will give you a current update. So we're talking about tonight the disappearance of Brandon Swanson. Swanson. That's a Minnesota accent. He's from Minnesota, disappeared in Minnesota, so it's okay if I sound like that. (laughs) So, uh, Brandon uh, was a native of Marshall, uh, Minnesota. He graduated from Marshall High School in 2007. Um, I'm actually just reading this off Wikipedia, so feel free to click the show notes and I'll have links to that. Brandon Swanson disappeared outside of Marshall when he was 19 years old. It's believed he died of exposure. Tomorrow would have been his 28th birthday. Brandon's family played a big role in changing state law to make law enforcement more responsive to reports of missing people. And tonight, our Kevin Doran tells us about the unprecedented search, which is still active. He loved his car. He, he, he was a driver. Annette Swanson smiles when she looks at pictures of her son, Brandon. In May of 2008, the night before he was to graduate from technical school, the 19-year-old was celebrating with friends in Canby. Around 1 a.m., he headed home to Marshall, 30 miles away on Highway 68. We know that he was on gravel roads. Um, Why was he on gravel roads? We don't know. It's a straight shot down Highway 68, but he wasn't on it. So he took back roads on the way home. He took back roads on the way home. Search manager Jeff Hossey believes Brandon became lost and drove down a farm road between two fields. He got stuck and called his parents. He was relaying to us that he was near Lind, Minnesota. But it turns out 
he was in a completely different place than he was telling you he was. Yes. Lind, where Brandon thought he was, is southwest of Marshall. He was really more than 20 miles away, northwest of Marshall near Porter. Brandon started walking. He was on the phone with his folks the whole time. It sounded like the phone fell. And as it fell, you know, you, we could hear him say, oh, um, what did that mean? Did he fall into a ditch? Did he fall into the river? We don't know. At 6 a.m., the Swansons called police. I couldn't breathe. I was nauseous. And I think, you know, that was just my motherly instincts telling me he's gone. It was the beginning of what Hasse calls the most well-documented and detailed search ever conducted. That's where his car was found, uh, right on the border between um, Lincoln, uh, Yellow Medicine, and Lyon counties. But they never found the phone? Never found the phone. No, phone has never been located. Five Eyewitness News was there in May of 2008 as several agencies looked for Brandon. When Hossie was called to manage the search, he brought in expert handlers with trailing dogs. Since then, they've walked thousands of miles through farm fields, ditches, and rivers in a 120 square mile area. You know, what we're doing with Brandon's situation, it's, it's all based on science. It's, it's all documented and backed up by science. It's there and it's real. And specifically, the red lines are human remains detection dogs. So every red line is a uh, canine search. They use GPS to track the dogs and handlers. After years of eliminating places Brandon could be, they're now focused on an area north of Porter. We are really confident that he's somewhere in this watershed. Um, we just can't get that final point. These farm fields are where Hossie believes Brandon is. We're on Highway 68 between Canby and Porter, six miles from where his car was found. He was cold and wet and actually walking in the opposite direction of his home and where his parents were looking for him. But I believe all of our physical clues are probably located within a, a, a 15 foot radius. Once we hit one clue, we'll have it solved. There are 206 bones in the body. We only need one. What's that like when you have a loved one missing? When you've lost somebody, but you have no answers, there's no you, you, there's no knowing where they are or even what happened to them. Your brain is in a constant state of trying to, trying to figure it out. It's searching. It's searching for answers. It's searching for where, who, what, when, why, and it, you can't find it. Search management is a real soul-sucking job. And when one goes as long as this, you know that the, the family has put their hopes you know, on your shoulders. And that gets to be a pretty hard burden. And I, I told the family early on that we'll continue searching as long as we have clues to follow up on. Kevin Doran, 5 Eyewitness News. The search for Brandon Swanson will resume this spring if they can get resources together and permission from landowners. Annette Swanson says the best thing that the public can do to help families with missing loved ones is to support volunteer civilian groups that do these long-term searches. One good thing that did come out of Brandon's disappearance is Brandon's law. Annette and Brian Swanson were there when it was signed in 2009. It requires police to take a report whenever a person of any age is reported missing in Minnesota. An investigation must also be done to determine what that person's status is. And the law makes it clear who has jurisdiction, which the family says was a problem in Brandon's case because his car was found right where three counties come together. When it's not clear as to the last known place the person was seen or for any other reason jurisdiction is in question 
the county where the person was last known to reside has jurisdiction. And right now on KSTP.com, you will also find information about organizations that provide assistance to families with missing loved ones. If you have any information on any of the missing Minnesotans we featured, you can contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children hotline. That number is 1-800-THE-LOST. So, let's talk about theories, Catherine. Okay, let's do it. So, the first theory here we got is intentional. That he disappeared on his own accord, and you want to do that, so let's leave him alone. What do we think? I mean, I think that it... There are so many elements of this that just don't make any sense at all. And the parents and the cops just seem to be of no help whatsoever. I'm kind of leaning towards an intentional. Like it, it has, it just smacks of a cover up kind of in some ways. Um, the next theory is drowning, which is my um, go to one. I think that he drowned. I think that he went out the road, talking to his parents. It was, he's, I think that he was under the influence, which is fine. Whatever people do that. Mm-hmm. And I think that he, you know, got caught up and drowned in the river there. That's interesting. Cause to me, that's the one that that's I probably easy. least agree with. Like, I, I don't know. Cause I, I I do think that he was probably more intoxicated than they than his friends thought he was. Um, well, pos- I, I don't. I I have a lot. I have to sort through this in my head. Okay, it's either he was intoxicated and didn't know where he was, and that's why he was having a miscommunication with his dad, and that they couldn't find each other. He either was completely far gone and did not know, but according to everyone, he didn't sound drunk. He didn't you know, seem intoxicated. Um, I don't know. Even if. But now like I'm changing. Now I'm thinking like listening to you, I'm I'm thinking maybe you're right because what we see here in the, you know, case notes and everything is that, you know, he had been drinking. However, um, investigators and people that saw him drinking believe that he wasn't wasted or anything. And that. Um, so they did a, um, with canines, did a search for him, and the dogs didn't find anything that would m- make it seem like he had fallen into the river. And Yeah, there's you know, no evidence. And they it's just a river. They would have found the body. Exactly. That's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they would have found something somewhere. So last one to go here is foul play. Foul play, foul play. It's such an easy theory to have, but there's so many aspects you have to it. Foul play, I think, you know, possible. Maybe he accidentally got hit on the road. Mm-hmm. That's why, oh shit. Or maybe something else happened at the party. There's all these different things. So foul play is open to interpretation. I don't know. What do you think about Well, just just to clarify for me. So he said, oh, shit, supposedly, mm-hmm. when he was at the bar, right? No, no, no. He was on the phone with his uh, mom or dad and said, oh, shit, while he was walking towards what he thought would be the bar. See, that's where I get, like, really suspicious about everything. Because it, 
that's an easy location. Like, hey, I'm at this bar in this small town that everyone knows. Yeah, or I can see my bar, meet me there. Right. So how do they get 25 miles different? Like, did the parents go to the bar and look for him and they didn't see him? Because then it's like, okay, so this kid, it, to me, it sounds like he purposefully misled them. That's a good idea. I never even thought of that. Really? No, 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 no I'm serious. That makes so much more sense because um, it says that they said that he was on his way home when he accidentally drove his car into a ditch. And that's when he called his parents and asked for help. However, they say his parents were un- unable to find him at the location that um, he said he was at. So he said that he was going to walk to a nearby town where he could see lights. And he was on the phone with his father while he was walking. And then all of a sudden, he said, oh, shit, and the call ended. So I think you're on a good track here. Maybe he was purposely misleading yeah, I mean, so maybe something went down at the party and he was trying to get away from that. Mm-hmm. And, or maybe. He, <sighs> I mean, this is weird because then it says, you know, his father spent hours looking for him and didn't notify the police until 6 30 in the morning. You know, so I'm kind of starting to wonder. Maybe he's, maybe Brandon was guilty of something, and That's the what parents were in on it. What would your parents do if you called them at, you know, twelve thirty? They would be would they- would have, at that age. They would have been frantically looking for me on the phone. They would not have just. They would not have given up until they found me. And if something like that happened, where they I would have called the police right away, though, right? I mean, I'd like to think that they would have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there you go. I would like to think that my parents would have called them. Yeah. <laughs> Mom and dad, if you're listening. Like, even if, it, it, even if it was just a friend who called me, I would call the cops if something like that happened. I would be, I would be nervous. I would, I would be, like, genuinely concerned. Um, so, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, all of this seems like he's he did something like he got into some kind of maybe it was an accident maybe it was intentional he did something and needs to throw people off his because the other thing that kind of um makes me think is the fact that his car you know was off the road stay with the car he was right yeah he's on the lamb right exactly i think you have a good point there so what do we have any information about like Anyone at the party? Did they say oh, they saw? We do him? have some information from um, outside sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for bringing it up. That say that he did get in a uh, fight with someone or some people at the party, and something may have gone down, which is why he left the party. There also mm-hmm. may be some information where he might have gotten um, something with his girlfriend, where maybe she broke up with them during mm-hmm. that time frame. So I'm thinking my end of the all story is I think something happened at the party. You know, we've kind of, this has been a really weird episode because we're kind of doing it off the cuff, but uh, I think we've come to the consensus that something's got to go on where I think he's still alive. You think he's still alive, probably. Yeah, I do. Which is why we're leading towards having a whole separate podcast about this. 
Catherine Elliott. What? Talk about the music. Okay, so as some of you may have noticed, we have a new theme song that we are very excited about. The theme song was written by Shellen Lubin, arranged by. I just want to hear you talk more. Stop talking over me so I can do that. No, I love that. Go, go. As some of you may have noticed, we have a new theme song that you are listening to right now. Um, We're very excited about it. Um, It was written by Shellen Lubin, arranged by Matthew Gandolfo, vocals by yours truly, Catherine Elliott, Shellen Lubin, and Matthew Gandolfo. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. See you soon. Yeah.